0: Welcome to Intimate Interactions, where we discuss ways we share intimacy with our fellow humans. Sex, kink, non-monogamy, love, relationships, gangbangs, no intimacy topic is too taboo. Let's talk! Huge thanks to my outstanding Patreon supporters for making this possible. If you want the ad-free version, go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon to unlock premium content, including every episode of the back catalogue, as well as a weekly podcast moving forward. Don't forget that you can also go to IntimatePodcast.com, check out how to add the podcast there to your various devices, and you can click Become a Patron. Thanks so much for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Kink can be intimidating. There's a lot to learn. The stakes feel high. There's stigma. There's self-identity change. Emma is back to break it down and make it all a little easier. She's been practicing kink for a little over two years, including ethically playing with people outside of her monogamous relationship with her partner, T. In Emma's first two years being kinky, she's learned a lot. We'll talk about what she gets out of exploring submission, how service serves her, how she's learned about this lifestyle, and what she's currently still learning about. We talk briefly about rape culture, so there's a content warning here that there's a fairly brief discussion of rape and sexual assault that happens later in the session. In discussing healthy and unhealthy relationships, I mentioned Gottman's work again and have included links to that resource as well. Now, let's go to the session with Emma here on Intimate Interactions. Yeah, it's interesting how when you just have like a casual conversation with someone, how much they're willing to share and Mm -hmm. how much interesting and informative information there is just in a back and forth.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like a very light interrogation. A very light (laughs) interrogation. A very friendly interrogation, yeah. Oh, that's good.
0: (laughs) <laughs> um yeah i will i will exercise the better part of my judgment and not use the comeback i was going to use
1: <laughs> and now i'm now i'm really curious
0: oh i was going to say if i were interrogating you you would know
1: oh <laughs> well, we are say, going into the kink section oh i suppose so it's are. kind of okay, perfect yeah, that's good, yeah okay.
0: um awesome and, and, on, and, and on the note of interrogation welcome to Great. another session of intimate interactions
1: thank you happy to still be here
0: <laughs> awesome i'm here with emma we are talking about kink and we have had two sessions on non-monogamy together already mm-hmm. so we're chatting about your exploration of kink yeah um how, how how long have you been exploring kink
1: um it's a, I this question kind of has two answers um on the one hand i've very very lightly looked into kink starting oh i don't know probably like five six years ago in kind of a a vaguely interested stance of, oh, this sounds neat. I haven't really looked into it too much, but I'm going to try a little bit with power dynamics. I think I like the idea of somebody, like, maybe ordering me around a little bit in a way that we've both predefined. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the idea of um, consensually giving up some power. Um, Just a lot of, like, I like this idea and, like, trying it out in very, like, minimal, minimal ways. Like, I think, like... I, um, I had an arrangement with one guy where like I would come over and I, when I got there I would like immediately change into lingerie and heels and just like from there it just became like and then just kind of like hang out for a while because we didn't really have a framework much, yeah we didn't have we didn't have any framework it was just kind of like let's try this out that's kind of um, cool that
0: sounds sexy and fun
1: yeah it, it, it would have been if I'd liked him more it was it turns oh. out that we didn't actually like each other like I didn't really like him as a person like I like the I like the idea of <laughs> It sounds really harsh, but it's kind of true. Like, cause we, we met up purely in that context of right. like, let's meet up to like, you know, have a coffee date, make sure you're not a murderer, and then right. do this power exchange thing. Right. But then the more I learned about him personally, the more it became became aware that I like, oh, I don't, I don't really have a chemistry that I'm interested in.
0: Hashtag Tinder problems.
1: Basically, yeah. Like, I think what I met him off of um, it wasn't it wasn't Life at the time. Even I think it was probably OK Cupid or something. It was, sure. Yeah. Um, but had kind of lightly dabbled in that. But then in terms of Becoming part of what I think of as. I know people hate the. don't really like the word community sometimes, but like the kink scene, I guess.
0: They don't like the word Um, community.
1: I've heard of some people um, not liking the word community because they think that.
0: It implies some sort of accountability.
1: Exactly, yes. (laughs) That within the word
0: community should inherent.
1: But but also, also, that is the reason. I mean, like within the word community, it should inherently mean accountability, and also not only are you taking from the group, but you're also giving back to it
0: right, in a way
1: that not a lot of people just don't. Right. I mean, with kink or with rope or with any of those,
0: um, those groups. With rope, there's a lot of giving back in the sense mm-hmm. that many of the people that practice rope have enough money to pay for $700 intensives, $400 intensives, mm-hmm. and to do this every month, if not every couple of weeks. So the sense yeah. of giving back is really in a commercial way, in my mm-hmm. outsider perspective.
1: Oh, okay. I see. I see what you mean like giving back in terms that they are they are monetarily supporting, supporting that supporting the community. Yes, they I can see that. Supporting
0: local educators in yeah. the rest of the kink scene, I don't find that's the case at all.
1: Okay, and I, I talked to people in the rope scene who don't feel that's the case in the rope scene either. So I think it depends on who you're talking to that's quite and where possible. they're coming from. Yep. But either either way, I'm just like adding the asterisks to me using the word community. Yeah, and I, I can
0: only and community. I can only speak for my own experience. I can't speak for any other. It's, it's the same
1: here as well. Um, but in, ter- in terms of trying to actively be part of a kink scene or a kink group, or mm-hmm. um, I'll mm-hmm. just use I will use the word community in that I just mean a group of people who know each other and sure. seem to attend the same events, and or you can say s- have a you can say kink, kink scene
0: and then just explain what scene means to people. Sure,
1: that sounds actually sounds, sounds better. Um, so I'll say kink scene. Scene meaning um, for me, anyways a group of people living loosely within the same location who organize and attend events related to kink and keep in touch with each other in varying degrees and in varying subgroups but having kind of a common overarching goal and location
0: yeah and i'll also add the caveat that you sure. can use a lowercase s a kink scene okay, there we to yeah. mean a an interaction oh, right, yes. between any number of people. Yep. Theoretically, it could just be with yourself. You could be self-suspending yep. or you could be self-flagellating or whatever. Yep. Um, you can have a kink scene that is a defined period of time in which you conduct these interactions, usually yes. involving a negotiation, yep. an actual quote-unquote scening portion where mm-hmm. you're interacting, you're playing, you yeah. Exchanging power, whatever it happens to be. And then you'll have an aftercare portion at the end. The, um, there are varying definitions of what constitutes a scene. Does mm-hmm. it include the negotiation and aftercare? I like describing it that way because I think it is a best practices approach. Sure. Some people will say the scene only includes the portion between the negotiation and the aftercare. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really matter. Okay. But mm-hmm. you can have a kink scene. And then there's also the kink scene. Yes. With a capital S. Yeah. Which describes more the collection of culture, art, events. Mm-hmm. And personal interactions that sort of happen in and around this amorphous um, group of humans that. People are constantly coming into the kink mm-hmm. scene and yep. constantly leaving the kink scene. Yeah. Either because they found partners and they want to play privately and they're just a private kind of human, mm-hmm. or because they've had a bad experience, or mm-hmm. because they don't feel welcome. There's a whole variety of reasons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so w- when I say um, actively being part of the kink scene, I'm technically the capital S one. Yeah. Um, and that is much more recent because it's something that I have um, started exploring alongside my current partner, mm-hmm. um, who I've been calling T, and we'll just continue to do so because sure. it's easiest. Um, so I think T and I have together been part of the local kink scene for probably only about okay, we've only lived in Vancouver for a couple of years so mm-hmm. a couple of years and then more recently um, he has taken a step back and I am kind of on my own continuing to explore the local kink scene so I think probably two years of um, putting the effort in to be involved and to make connections and to um, to stay current with things Okay. So two two concentrated years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the and long
1: longer of a vague interest.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I completely understand that. I've I've been doing it for about 6 years, but there has mm-hmm. definitely been like when I look back on my childhood even, mm-hmm. like the narratives that I would play out in my head around mm-hmm. um like being sexually tortured by, oh, people.
1: oh, yeah, if we're talking about like fantasies and stuff like that, then you know years and years and years, yeah. definitely. for like, <laughs> drawing it back that way. yeah <laughs>
0: yeah. like I think my first my first time s- fantasizing about being sexually tortured myself. Mm-hmm. like not torturing, but being sexually tortured yep. was probably like eleven years old. Yeah, my 12. I think
1: thinking back on like all my kind of my 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 spank bank or whatever, like yep. all all that stuff was was very, very um was non non-vanilla i guess you could call it
0: yeah it's kind of used
1: to search the depths of 4chan for that stuff (laughs) yeah
0: oh 4chan oh 4chan 4chan. (laughs) yeah so what sorts of needs because we're we're clearly talking about something that sounds more and more like an identity these are things that we form very young Mm -hmm. and things that we even deny ourselves or don't realize until Mm -hmm. we're much much older I didn't even start exploring maybe being kinky until yeah. I was like 25. Yeah. And yeah. if I think back, like there was evidence of it that I really could have keyed to when I was like 11. Mm hmm. So,
1: and, like, High Fight's 2020 as well. Yeah. Like it's it's easy to look back and say, like, all oh, the signs were there. And then, like, <laughs> it's also interesting
0: <laughs> that I came into the scene as a top because I'm more male identified. hmm. And. That's just what you do, as it were. So, like do you
1: feel like you came in as a top simply because you're? Were, it was more the
0: default that was yeah, expected okay. of me, um, and also I really enjoyed mastery and I enjoyed external okay. validation mm-hmm. and having measurable ways to show I was improving or good at things. Right. A lot of that perfectionism stuff yep. that I was still working <laughs> through, and as a result, being a top mm-hmm. allowed me to advance my skill set in a very visible fashion. Yeah. Whereas being a bottom the skill sets that you advance aren't as visible.
1: Mm -hmm, I think they're more internal,
0: for me anyway, so far. They can be, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think a lot... I think, yes, if you're including things like throwing a flogger, then they're definitely more internal than that. Mm -hmm. But they can even include things like understanding your own body's limitations or how your body functions or all of the coping skills or all the emotional labor, all the pain processing skills. Mm -hmm, There's this whole vast array of bottoming skills that we don't even usually... Think about when I find people are just new to the scene.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that as well because I found that um, I found that as a bottom, whenever I, if, if I seen with somebody, I always just feel like I am taking something from them. Interesting. Like that I'm taking a skill without, like, or at least like I'm trying to get over this feeling. Like I feel as a bottom, I'm taking a skill from somebody without giving them something in return. Right. Um, but then recently, I expressed this to a friend who um, who I'd. I'd um, bottom for a couple times and they said know, no you absolutely are like it's an exchange yeah. what you're what you're giving is kind of your trust and your openness and your willingness to be part of the situation like there is no there, the dynamic couldn't have happened without, without you there therefore you are contributing something to it yeah and i've been trying to think about it more in terms of a collaborative experience than just like okay please do these things to me for a while that feel really good
0: <laughs> do you do masochism at all um, is that the I'm thinking of?
1: Masochism um, is okay. the self the self pain one, and sadism Ma- is Ma- the yeah masochism one?
0: is more. <coughs> do you feel satisfied or fed by experiencing pain or right. suffering?
1: Because um, does
0: not to be physical pain. It can be like emotional suffering too.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And I. That's an interesting question that I don't think I've really given much thought to. But just okay. th- just thinking about it now, I want to say probably no. Okay. I think that the pain in of itself is not my my end goal. Okay. Um, it's more the context it's happening in or the validation that I get from going through that experience. Interesting.
0: Yeah. That that's very very, very perfectionism yeah. based. I think ties into um,
1: a lot. Actually, one of the most rewarding. Sorry, I just got a thing in my throat. <coughs> there
0: we go. Um, I can can also get you tea if you want tea. I just made myself this again, Maicha. Also, apologies if I've been slurping it near my mic.
1: (laughs) Um, If tea is an option, that would be wonderful. I guess you just edit that part out or whatever. Yeah, um, well, I mean,
0: we can also just take a quick break now, and then we'll just resume in five minutes. Sure, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, tea sounds really good. We will be right back. And we're back.
1: Yes, we are. Um, We were talking previously Mm -hmm. about how... um, Oh, it was the, the idea of what I think tops and bottoms bring to a scene and about how right, personally I, I had felt right. like I wasn't bringing anything right. as, as a bottom. Um, and I think we after that, we segued into talking a little bit about perfectionism um, mm-hmm. and about wanting to feel like you're doing, right. you're, you're, you're acting perfectly or doing, doing your best within a role. Yes. Um, and I was, I was going to tell you that uh, one of my most rewarding scenes recently, um, possi- possibly ever actually, mm-hmm. was one in which we worked that dynamic into the scene um i expressly told um my tops because they worked as a team and it was it was beautiful um that i was interested in a a punishment reward kind of Mm -hmm. thing worked worked into Mm -hmm. it something where i could get validation from it or feel like i was accomplishing something Mm -hmm. uh which they they worked into it really 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 nicely and kind of um challenged me um Mm -hmm. In, in f- various ways, but not so much that I was kind of doomed to failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, they challenged me and they like they pushed they pushed my physical limits a bit.
0: But and they tried to set you up to succeed.
1: Absolutely, yeah, they did, and I did succeed, and I felt so good. And I think that when I, I, I cried quite a bit afterwards, but it was from just feeling like it was feeling very vindicated from yeah. the scene. Um, and that was one of those situations where I felt like, oh, they've given me so much, right? And I feel like all I've done is be on the receiving end. So I'm still kind of trying to reconcile the idea of bottoming with contributing to the scenario, I guess. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to work on that because I know that... I mean, like, I, I've, I've talked a couple times as well and have had a great time doing it and could not have done that if the bottom weren't there and being part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it's hard to flip that around. In that same way where it's hard to be compassionate to yourself, I think. It's hard to treat yourself as a friend. It's also hard to tell myself, like, no, you're bringing something to this... Um, at the same time as I can say, like, oh, no, m- my bottom was absolutely bringing something to this. But when I'm a bottom, it's harder to see it.
0: Yes. Yeah. I respect that <laughs> completely. I think it's also possible for tops from the flip side to feel like all they're doing is taking and they're not giving anything. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I so guess it's
1: a... Yeah, as I'm a switch, to. I
0: I hear that from yeah. exclusive tops and exclusive bottoms.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's one of those things, probably, just where at the end of the day, it's hard to recognize that you are contributing something.
0: Also, these lifestyles are so stigmatized. Mm. It's it's usually taken that these things that we're doing are not things we should want, so we assume Mm -hmm. others don't want them.
1: I can see that playing into it, definitely. Um, I I know that um, I've heard you speak of, and I know I've heard other people speak of, having to overcome, like very much overcome that idea that like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Right. And so it's hard to admit to yourself that you want to do it or to enjoy it when you do get to do it consensually even with an enthusiastic partner um, that even in that situation it's okay to want it and personally I've never and again this is coming from probably a privileged spot of um, having grown up with a lot of acceptance and love and Mm -hmm. also not having that stigma of um, I know that you've, you've spoken of the huge stigma of being male or male-presenting, yeah, and growing up with the message you don't hit anybody, you don't, you're not, you yeah. shouldn't, can't be violent, and then yeah, even when you're in a situation where that is consensual, having to yes, having to get over that in a way and be be into what you're doing, even though society has kept on telling you you can't do this, you shouldn't right. do this, you can't and be okay doing this.
0: Despite all that shame, we still haven't addressed the culture that leads to violence against women. We still haven't exactly. addressed the fact that yeah. as a woman. If you are murdered intentionally, Mm -hmm. the most likely person to murder you is someone you're in a relationship with. Yeah,
1: it's it's easier just to stigmatize the results rather than address the issues societally. Um, And not easier in a way that leads to any kind of solution, just easier from a governmental legislative point of view. Absolutely.
0: I mean, trying to address cultures of supremacy and Mm -hmm. dominance and masculinity Mm -hmm. that isn't nurturing, that isn't... Do you know what I mean? Like, like the the culture of supremacy surrounding mm-hmm. masculinity rather than a culture of nurturance and responsibility right. and support and all the things that I think masculinity can do incredibly well. Oh,
1: absolutely, And yeah. sometimes
0: does and sometimes doesn't because mm-hmm. supremacy gets in the way.
1: Absolutely. Well, and then you come into this idea of toxic masculinity. Right. And that being very specifically a type of... It's not, again, not saying mm-hmm. men are bad, masculinity is bad. It's there is a type of masculinity that is promoted and... Um, nurtured by mainstream culture yeah. that is harmful both to um, both to people in general and to the person exhibiting that behavior. Yeah, it's
0: harmful to men. Mm-hmm, like men absolutely. Men yeah. suffer with toxic yes, masculinity. Yes, definitely. It's, it's not just that toxic masculinity affects women or other folks. It, absolutely. It's, it's, it affects men as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very harmful to that person themselves as well. And yeah. it's hard to I mean, geez, like it's, it's hard to confront something when like, even if even if you feel terrible while you're doing it if all of society just keeps on saying like no that's what you're supposed to be doing right like just go right ahead no you're supposed to be doing that don't question it like just right. keep doing it <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I mean all of society enforces it, like your friends will enforce it in the way they police your masculinity in the same Mm -hmm. way that your friends will enforce whether you wear makeup as a woman.
1: Yeah, yeah. in the the language that gets used in TV and like in ads. The narratives you see, absolutely. Yeah, and the way people raise their kids and it's kind of everywhere. And it's easier for society just to say like, no, don't do that one thing, Mm -hmm. then how can we look at how, as a, as a culture, as an mm-hmm. you know, entirety of what we, we tell people, how can we change that yeah. to lead to a situation in which these actions are minimized or you know, the context of them is
0: changed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All that to <laughs> say, kink meets certain <laughs> needs for us and script derail us from getting those yes. needs met.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a very good way to sum that up. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so tell me more yeah. about that then
1: about the way that kink meets needs for me?
0: Um, Sure. You know what? Yeah, let's let's pivot from... Because I was originally asking about the way scripts get in the way of kink because that, that's sort of where we were. And
1: oh, yeah, sure. Um, I think, I mean, I can probably... I can t- tie those things in together as yeah, well. I'm, and I think I'm what kink does for me is, like you just said, helps subvert those scripts where, mm-hmm. um, I mean, as... A- another, another message that is really perpetrated is the idea... I mean, especially kind of as a, as a perfectionist, that mm-hmm. I should be totally self-sufficient and I shouldn't need anybody to validate me and I should be a strong, independent woman and I, I should be able to find my validation from within and... Be strong for myself. Not and ask for help
0: and like all this. And not messages. let anybody
1: hurt me or put me down
0: or right. be under anybody else's control. Right. Even when sometimes that's the most refreshing exactly. peaceful experience. Yeah,
1: and especially that peaceful part, because another thing with with just the way my brain works is it's always on. And I'm right. always thinking about like what do I need to do? What do I need to do for the people around me? What do they need right now? What can I do for them? What do I need to be doing for me right now? What's right. on my to do list? And right. Um, what kink does for me when I'm in that position of bottoming or, or subbing for somebody I get to tell that voice to shut up for a while because somebody else is in control for that moment right. all that I can matters take a break. Just,
0: Yeah. you don't have to think about what to do you just have to worry about doing what you're told to do yeah
1: and it, it, feels, oh, it feels really nice just like hearing those words like I don't have to worry about all I have to worry about is what one other person wants in this moment yeah. from me and they're yeah. going to tell me what they want
0: yeah and yeah. that you are responsible for doing exactly what they tell you yep. and nothing else. And
1: if I do it, yay! And if I don't, there's consequences, and it's so simple. And yeah. It's just the it's simplicity of kink in the situations that I put myself in. That's what I love about it.
0: I have heard I mean, the there's same, many things, but yeah. <laughs> but that is definitely one thing. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I've heard that explanation from submissives a lot in terms of the piece of not needing to do the emotional labor of imagining what everyone's needs are and how they can be mm. meeting those needs. You like the tea?
1: It's very, very good, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm glad. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. yes, and I've I've oh shoot I was gonna say something about, and then I got totally distracted. Oh sorry, <laughs> no that's okay. Uh, I'm sure they'll come back around. <laughs> I was talking about needs getting met. Needs met and submissives
1: using um submissive role to clear. Their minds, or to it's minimize. Totally gone. Oh, okay, I was, I that's was, all right. <laughs> I,
0: was, I thought that I was going to get it back, and I did not.
1: Okay, if that's it comes okay. back later, just just jump in with it. So yeah,
0: why don't we touch on um, needs because we're already talking about like motivations and needs. Let's talk more about yeah, like, other I, reasons why people do BDSM.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, and I think and um is well for me anyways. It's very closely linked because one of my needs is to just chill out once in a while mm. to give myself that mental space. Right. In a way that's very difficult for me to give myself without some kind of external motivator the external motivator in the situation of kink being that other person who is actively interested in being in control of me for a while Mm -hmm. Um, and it's that motivation that lets me kind of take that step back mentally and clear Mm -hmm. that space for myself which I think without um, it wasn't until kind of finding out that that situation was an option that I I guess that I knew that I could kind of clear that mental space Mm -hmm. in that way um, yeah, I'm trying to find a better way to research to has been, has it, been yeah.
0: talking about mindfulness, and mm-hmm. apparently people who practice BDSM are they rate higher for mindfulness. Scores. That
1: makes sense. Yeah, it, it forces you to think critically about things, I think, and
0: and also to be able to shut your brain off. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. just the practice of being mindful and and having that release from needing to have your brain going all the time can be so yeah. valuable. Well,
1: it's not something that uh, I'm trying to think of another situation in my life where I exercise it in that same way and really it's just kink and meditation are the two things coming to mind and i can't think of a single other situation where i conscientiously just shut it all down for a bit yeah and so i mean in a way kink can be meditative i mean in a very kind of in a bit of a different way than just sitting and clearing your mind
0: i completely agree
1: but it's kind of sitting and having your mind cleared for you i guess
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, in a sense, but I think there's a lot of bottom skills that mm-hmm. go into that. It's it's easy to think of it as having someone else do the work for you, but ultimately, mm-hmm. as a bottom, no one's going to clear your head but you.
1: That's very true Even as well, and that's where I fall into that danger of kind of not danger of that situation of thinking, "Oh, they're doing all the work, and I'm not really doing anything." Right, yeah. right.
0: Whereas, like you are practicing a lot of internal skills, mm-hmm. like mindfulness is a very challenging skill for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's. Um, I mean, going back to needs met by kink, mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that it has. Done, and that I actually didn't realize that I I wanted from it until starting to experience it was was that that space of mindfulness, that kind of like clear clear headspace, which now having experienced, I really I'm really eager for when I when it comes becomes an opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but actually, I've also started exploring um, switching recently. And also realizing that there's an aspect to that on the top side as well Mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's not quite in the same way, but for a little while, your only concern is your bottom. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you need to go get at the store. It doesn't matter what you need to, like, oh, I've got some work left for me to do at home. I need to clear the dishes, whatever. No, I I have this person in front of me. We've talked about something, and I want to make sure that they are getting their needs met in this moment and that we're both having fun doing it.
0: As I spell tea on myself. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that for, for both topping and bottoming, for me, there is that element of, um, of clarity mm-hmm. or at least of reduced focus.
0: Yes. Yeah. Or of increased focus on the current moment. Yes.
1: Yeah. Increased mindfulness.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like yes. you were saying.
1: Um, I love it. That's a great motivation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so far, so far it's really... I've also heard hero's
0: journey rhetoric as well about Mm. you go and you do this horribly difficult thing. Yeah. And then when you come back, you've gained a lot of like wisdom and skills Mm. and experience. And it's a sense of accomplishment. You mentioned, you touched on that Yes.
1: Yeah. The sense of accomplishment is also a really good one, especially coming from a place where you're, I'm, I'm told societally that I'm not supposed to want to need that. Right. Or to need to want that or whatever phrasing of it. Um, but do get a huge amount of validation from somebody saying do this mm-hmm. and then I do it mm-hmm. and then they say good job I love that I love that yeah. exchange me too and that's not something that you I mean it's you can't uh, you can't ask for that in many other places right at least in my experience like you right. can't it's you considered can't fit weird it yeah or like or needy or uh, like
0: there's a great yeah, toxic script right there yeah
1: like the idea of like you shouldn't you shouldn't be asking for validation because that makes you like high maintenance or, or needy so or like a unprofessional a in the workplace. Of, like. A lot of
0: those phrases are very monogamous because mm. the notion of being needy is just saying I have needs and yep. my needs are too much for you to meet. Yeah. If you have multiple partners, you can mm-hmm. be as needy as you want, and so long as the amount of needs getting met from each partner is within mm-hmm. their limits of what they're comfortable with, essentially yep. negotiating with you, it's not needy because you're not demanding more than someone can give mm-hmm. but in a monogamous frame where you only have one person yes that can that's give asking that to a you, lot it's asking person. a lot and it's seen as is what you're asking reasonable or unreasonable yes. and then yeah. the judgment is if it's unreasonable you are needy right something that gets assigned to you for having needs Oof. Yeah, that's true. So the notion of being needy is, is definitely like what I would term like a monogamous hangover. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's part of that baggage that you bring from all mm. of these ideas around yep. one person is going to need all of this and I must consider that in yep. all of my personal decisions. Mm-hmm.
1: And actually that that's a good, um, I'm glad you said that as well, because one of the other things I get from kink is being able to spread those needs out, mm-hmm. um, is that there are some things I get from people I bought them for that I don't get from my partner, Sure. Um, which as we've discussed, like me and T have discussed, is fine and that's so no, when when I play without him, it is it is consensually on his part as well. And
0: sometimes it's healthier or more socially mm-hmm. acceptable, ironically, to get those needs met in BDSM. Like mm-hmm. when you when someone submits, yeah. they get to be free of having to make all the decisions. Mm-hmm. That can be an enormous relief, even if it's not mindfulness particularly, just being yeah. free from the pressure of always having to be right or make yes. all the right decisions. Yeah you know, be a certain thing. When you're yeah. in that space of submission, you get some freedom. Whereas if you try to get those needs met in your regular relationship, you mm-hmm. might have to deal with a lot of judgment from family members, society saying that, you know, you're not an independent woman or you're not mm-hmm. doing all these things right. Yeah. Whereas in a kink scene, it's condensed. You get your needs met, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and then it's kind of like, then you, you finish the scene or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of separate from your everyday life. Yes. Which is um, not to say that, like, I think that if um, if there was the interest, I would... I don't think I would find um, a moral difficulty with working more of that framework into the relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then it just comes down to um, T hasn't indicated an interest that he wants to do anything more kind of recurring in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, enjoys, he enjoys kind of you know, kinkiness in the bedroom, but not in kind of that lifestyle way that I'm, right. I think, a little more interested in.
0: Yeah, it can it can draw a lot of resources from someone to be mm-hmm. more submissive than they want to be or more dominant than they want exactly, to.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I don't again part of part of us opening up and part of me being in the kink scene on my own. We're well, not on my own, but not as a partnered person. Mm-hmm. Um, is respecting that he is uninterested in extending his emotional resources in that way for yep. right now anyways. Yep. And therefore going to other people um, to to meet those needs and and yep. it being a healthy way to not burden him with more than he wants to give or mm-hmm. pressure him to feeling like he has to give that or me being resentful that he's not giving that yeah. or him feeling disappointed in himself or in me for wanting or and any of yeah. those things. Yeah, spreading it out.
0: It definitely, I can way. see how that negative spiral goes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. it uh, that was actually one of the things that we had to negotiate when he took a step back from the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it coincided very closely with my worries that I discussed in the previous session about pressuring a partner into doing things with me just because we were partners and I felt like we should want to do the same things.
0: Mm -hmm. When
1: he took a step back, I had a bit of a a meltdown worrying that he had never wanted to be involved in the first place. Right. And that I had somehow just been pressuring him into being involved and him having to reassure me that, no, he he had wanted to be involved before, but now wasn't as interested. And... Us coming to terms with that and having a good long conversation about it.
0: I also notice, if I may make the observation, Mm -hmm. that sometimes you use language that implies that partners must do things that are Mm -hmm. nice for you. Like, he had to reassure me as opposed to... Just (laughs) as opposed to being like... And then T was nice enough to reassure reassure me. me. Yes, that's true. And I really appreciated that. It's it's sort of the difference between being grateful for having support versus apologizing for the space you take up.
1: Mm, Yeah, I can see that. And it is language I use very very unintentionally. Like it's just kind of worked in there. So yeah. thanks for thanks for pointing that out. You're welcome. Yeah. I, ex-
0: yeah. <laughs> ho- I hope it's something that just sort of is like a mindfulness point where you're like, oh mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna be more aware of this moving forward. It wasn't intended with any shame, right?
1: No, yeah, or that's nice. absolutely and I would like to be more mindful of it because you're right, when I say had to, it also revokes that agency from him of wanting to yeah, provide absolutely. that assurance and I do want to give him credit. Yeah. For, and like likewise myself, credit for the effort that we both put into maintaining a relationship with healthy communication.
0: Absolutely. Um, especially
1: if we, as we move forward. So thank you, and I'm going to try to be mindful of that. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to celebrate people's wins because mm-hmm. if you don't celebrate the little wins, it's mm-hmm. easy to get this this idea that everything about oneself or one's relationship is just wrong all the time.
1: Yeah, or or even that it's just like falling into place by accident when it goes right, and then when it goes wrong, that's what it's really all happening or things like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and just that, yeah, that that you're so lucky almost to be in a partnership with someone who puts yeah. up with you. Like, there can be a lot of that really Oof, negative. That's,
1: even that phrase, like, oh, I'm so lucky to have them. Yeah,
0: is, it's like There's upsetting. a lot of baggage in that. Like, the idea
1: that you haven't in any way earned it or contributed is very, yeah. again... A very monogamous script, I think. Well, uh, or sorry, like heterosexual script or
0: monogamous script or I mean, call possibly it or, like, both of those. Yeah. I mean, yeah. possibly not. I mean, there are a lot of healthy relationships and monogamous there, yeah. couples for sure. Yeah. But I definitely, I definitely respect that there are a lot of those insidious ways that we undermine ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. a form of emotional self harm. Mm. And I think what I find neat about that is you can almost become married to the idea of hurting yourself mm. emotionally the same way you can physically.
1: I definitely I definitely see that. And yeah. I think
0: there's an element of masochism mm. that can be emotional.
1: Oh, definitely. And
0: yeah. I think there's a really interesting tie-in to a person who's an emotional masochist but doesn't really know mm. and has sort of gotten that need met by self-harming right. rather than consensually or mindfully going about it. Mm. Anyways, I yeah. just wanted to toss that no, idea yeah, that's, that's out there. No, yeah, that's cool.
1: I don't have anything to add to it, but I, I <laughs> like the idea of no, <laughs> I, okay, I like that's the idea okay. of it. But yeah, I mean, not the idea of it, but I li- it's an interesting idea to bring up.
0: Yeah, I'm just kind yeah. of throwing it out there. Yeah. I'm not even directing it at you specifically. Yeah, cool. I was yeah. just I just sort of reminded, brought that up in me, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to
1: mention it. Yeah, thank you for mentioning it. You're
0: yeah. welcome. I'm also noticing a lot of the reasons we're touching on, which I love, are mm. asexual reasons to really be interested in kink. Mm, that's true. And that's something um, a lot of folks yeah. don't often immediately associate they think of all the sexual reasons of like power can be arousing yeah. or like the notion of being of not having to be anxious about doing the right things mm-hmm. is arousing in that it facilitates arousal and sex because yeah. you're not afraid or anxious that's
1: true and i definitely like i find i find kink really sexy as well i think mm-hmm. that my i mean thinking i think my primary reasons for liking it are are more asexual and emotional than um than sexual Mm-hmm but i mean the sexual reasons are are right up there i think it's hot as hell like it's uh, awesome <laughs> yeah um i mean i i think that's one of the reasons that i started incorporating because i mean when you when you see kink in the media mm-hmm. it's usually not somebody sitting down and saying i would really like to just Clear my mind for a bit, so it's, it's usually <laughs> something like, "Let's get the handcuffs out and try this out." It's kind it's, of, it's more sexual lens it's not, generally when it's, it's, it's not uh, even.
0: Necessary. I would I would go so far as to say it's so stigmatized that mm. you see it on CSI as a serial doing right. this.
1: <laughs> well, of course he was the murderer. He had all this rope. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. So
1: thankfully, I never I didn't grow up with a lot of crime shows, so I amazing. didn't have that stigma built I mean, into and
0: me. And <laughs> it's always like one episode. That's yeah. Like, that's yeah. Or like the furry episode. Really, yeah. But, it's like yeah. the only token representation. of kings. As a minority, oh, as as criminals, so
1: negatively. Yeah. yeah,
0: I mean, it's not like they don't do the exact same thing with race sometimes. But my my yeah, yeah. point is, it's still some form of tokenization and stigmatization. Yeah,
1: right. it's it's not enough representation to give you a gamut. It's just them throwing it in there so that they can use it as like a
0: here's a, a one-off. On like, we're we're edgy, you know. And it's like, yeah, please yeah. please don't use race or any marginalized community as a way to be edgy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so, just yeah, super tokenizing. That's not, not cool. Yeah. Um, thinking. I think my first. Intro to kink in—I mean, not not in like terms of like oh the fantasies I used to have when I was younger or like the things that I found myself drawn to—but in my very conscientious, this is kinky and I want to do it. Mm-hmm. I think was probably from one of those adult expos, okay. like the really kind of commercialized ones. Um, oh, like
0: taboos. Like yeah, show it's like taboos. But I think it was just
1: called the Sex Show. Got you. Or something. It was back in back in understand. my hometown. Yeah. Yeah, and. There was a, um, It's my, my first kinky purchase. It was a set of restraints that kind of like looped under the bed. Okay. And it was just like cuffs. Awesome. Um, and I just, it's like, that sounds really hot. That sounds really fun. I would mm-hmm. like to be, I like the idea of being held down mm-hmm. um, while, you know, consensually while while yeah. the sexy stuff is happening. Um, and we, I think we used them like twice because, again, my partner did not have any kind of, my partner at the time had no,
0: real interest in that in that area it turned out and uh, and also I just want to (laughs) note for the audience one that taboo sex show is an annual thing that happens in Vancouver and you can go and buy sex toys and there's a dungeon that's hosted by Metro Vancouver kink and Rascals um, Club shows up as well as Sin City Mm -hmm. um, which are all events providers in the city I also wanted to mention that it is a not, it's not an uncommon story to mm-hmm. say, I'm really into this, but my partner's not. Mm-hmm. So, when holding down someone's hands, when having sex, please check in with them before yes. you do that. Just the <laughs> act of holding down someone's hands can be violent enough yep. that you can trigger people's traumas of being sexually assaulted. Talk it at first. You can have people um, <laughs> allege that you've sexually assaulted them because you've held down their hands without asking. Like, just. Mm do your due diligence to negotiate, even if that negotiation yep. just looks like, I think it would be really hot to hold your hands down mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Or even, even if you really, really don't want to follow best practices, even just mentioning verbally, like, I'm going to hold your hands down right now, verbally acknowledges what's happening in a way that allows people to, s- to hopefully say, like, please don't if they mm-hmm. don't want you to, versus, like, a better practice of saying, mm-hmm. like, what... Even even of saying like, "Hey, I want to try some power play out this time," would it be okay if I held your hands down while we have sex? Mm-hmm. And and again, if you're worried about it being unsexy to ask, it all comes down to confidence. If you're asking with confidence and you're you're really comfortable receiving a no, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to come across as not confident. I don't.
1: Think. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was I think um, part, part like, to add on to my, my buying the buying the cuffs thing. Yeah, please. I don't think I ever had a full discussion with that partner mm-hmm. about like, hey, do you have any interest in this area? Right. It was more kind of like I saw them and I was like, hey, I should get these, these sound and then really like, hot, yeah. yeah, and then them kind of just like being pigeonholed into saying, yeah, you should get those, because like the alternative to that is no, us having get
0: those, and, and right. as us having
1: a, a very emotional conversation in the middle of a sex expo, right. um, which is not something that you kind of walk
0: into willingly, if you can avoid it, either. And yet, it's something that you see happening at sex expos, fairly. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's again, it's that, I'm not a normal person, quote-unquote. I'm mm-hmm. going to deviate from the script, and a partner saying, I won't let you. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to continue being what you have been. I'm not interested in you redefining yourself at great inconvenience to me.
1: Or even just that, like we talked about before, that... Um, That very scripted Mm -hmm. way that couples are expected to line up in every way. So even it can be, if you if you're still subscribing to that script, it can be very emotionally jarring for you to say, "Hey, I'm interested in this thing," and your partner saying even just like, "I'm not," because when you're in a so we're not going to do it exactly. So and when you're in a monogamous relationship where you're expecting to get all your needs met by one partner, suddenly you're hearing not just. My partner has no interest in this. You're but hearing I am not going to have that need met
0: ever. Yeah, I'm not allowed to ever explore this yeah. in myself, even though it's this like super important, essential need mm-hmm. for me that I've never let myself experience. And I've finally gotten to an yeah. age and a maturity and a self awareness where I'm like, this could be life changing for me. I really want to explore this. And my right. partner goes, eh, No, nah, I'm not really. I don't. I don't really want to do that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like, Oh well, that's the end of that dialogue. Then yeah. I guess,
0: and that's it. And that's the end of that dream. And that's the end of that identity. Oh, and that's yeah. The worst, like, <laughs> yeah. What, what I'm really saying is that's the end of that relationship
1: yeah yeah it's I mean, just like, it the person saying
0: yet. nah doesn't know that yet
1: yeah well, I mean, I, and, and if it's not that it's going to be like kind of probably little ways
0: that it would add up and
1: especially depending on how big of a thing it is long term resentment yeah.
0: contempt you start getting mm-hmm. those like harbingers of the end of a relationship slowly creeping in if you're noticing contempt mm-hmm. in your relationship just read John Gottman's work and his laboratory's work
1: Is that, um, what's the title of that?
0: Oh, um, shoot. I will (laughs) put it in the episode description. And I will look it
1: up when you do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um... G- Gottman did amazing research on couples, monogamously married couples, mm-hmm. and identified the four quote-unquote horsemen of the end oh, of the relationship. Yeah. And one of the big ones is Content. contempt. Interesting. It's like he could literally mm. look at, his lab would look at, I think it was something like five minutes or less of two yeah. people having a stressful conversation. So they literally yeah. like bring up a, a point of contention in your relationship and have a five-minute relationship conversation about it. And from that five minutes, he could, he could report whether or not they divorce in the next 10 years wow. with like an insane accuracy. It was like, it was over 80%. Like, it was some yeah. enormous percentage where you're like, how can someone decide whether your relationship will fail or su- succeed mm-hmm. so effectively? Interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, like that. Up. And, and they could really do it
0: without sound. It was based on like language, facial gestures and, so. and body language. Like, are you throwing wow. out contempt at your partner? Yeah. Are you stonewalling? Yeah. Um, when a person makes a bid for your attention, mm-hmm. um, and even if that bid for attention is a really negative one, like if a person mm. is pushing your button to make you react to them. Right. Do you turn away from your partner? Yeah. Do you turn against your partner or do you turn towards your Interesting. partner? Interesting.
1: You just sound like you're describing my previous relationship like over and over again.
0: Like <laughs> <laughs> and and I think the um the best reaction, I believe, from the research, I mm-hmm. I could be wrong, is yeah. to turn towards your partner. So it's like if your partner makes an accusation, mm-hmm. being able to kind of like take a minute to do the emotional labor yeah. to like calm down a bit mm-hmm. and and just sort of be like, hey, did you have a really rough day? Yeah. Like, how are you doing? I just want to check in with you right now, because like, what I'm hearing is, and just a sense that you take it from that really emotionally charged place of like, I'm angry at you because you fucked up. Right. And you take it back to, hey, how are we doing? Why are we having this conflict? I just want to like, understand how I can support you better. Right. And it comes from this really nurturing place Mm -hmm. where it, may t- it might seem like you're doing all the work, mm-hmm. and if you're a woman you might be, yep. um, but <laughs> and also if you're a white knight you might be, But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sorry about all the judgment that's included <laughs> in that statement, it's very influenced and colored by my perspective, mm-hmm. um, but it might also be that you're modeling healthier behaviors and that mm. your partner will gradually catch on to those healthy behaviors. Right. That also assumes that both of you are on the same page, that both of you are on the same team, and that both of you have the same goal, Mm -hmm. and that you both understand the situation the same way. So if you're able to explain your relationship conflict Mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense to you, and your partner's like, yeah, I totally understand what you mean about turning against and turning towards and turning Mm -hmm. away from, when they see you turn towards them, and they know how difficult it was for you to take what they just said and turn it into a positive growth opportunity for your relationship, Mm -hmm. hopefully they're gonna be really grateful that you did that work. Yeah. But that yeah. assumes a lot. So it's like you have to get on the same page first and be on the same team. Yeah. But it's very useful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Anyways, that's yep. why I was mentioning like Gottman stuff. When, yeah, yeah. When, when you see those partners yeah. arguing, sometimes people are doing the work. And mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not just seeing two people angry at each other. I'm seeing two people gelling, like uh, to use a terrible word. But essentially, I'm, I'm seeing two people grow together yeah. through a stressful or adverse experience. Absolutely. When we've all yeah. seen those couples fights that are not
1: that. <laughs> <old>. <laughs> I'm saying yeah, I'm thinking of the couples fights. Um, not fights, but like the disagreements or the yeah. differences in uh, opinion that came about when yep. when I was first trying to get into kink, I sure. guess, in, in that previous relationship where the other person was not interested in it. Yep. Um. And so I think like for a while I just ended up shelving it because right. the partner was not interested in it. But then when I when we when we broke up, um, I finally had the opportunity to kind of explore that a little more, and that's when I, you know, that's all I do more the lingerie and stuff like that, and start figuring out more kind of where my interests lay.
0: And that's really common. Like that's something I hear about a lot of monogamous mm-hmm. queer people or kinksters. You yeah. hear that about you know bisexuals, pansexuals, mm-hmm. um, queer folks in general. If yeah. they're oriented in such a way that they can be in a straight relationship, sometimes they find themselves in a straight relationship.
1: It's it's statistically easier.
0: Right. Yeah. Aspe-
1: especially as a as a cis woman to uh, find sure, to find a relationship sure. with with a a male male presenting person because yeah. they are they are kind of encouraged to get out there and take the first step and be more aggressive in terms of initiating things. And so it's easier as a cis woman to kind of just be like, oh, this person is initiated with me. I guess I'm going to pursue something with them as opposed to I'm going to go out of my way now and initiate something with somebody else.
0: It's definitely a lot lower energy in some ways. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the pros and cons and like um, the benefits and the disadvantages, I'm saying the same thing again. Um are just different right oh
1: absolutely yeah it's just a
0: different situation yeah definitely um on on the one hand you have so much more control of a situation if you're the one initiating Mm -hmm. on the other hand you have to worry a lot more about consent and rejection
1: Mm, yeah that's true
0: so it's just like it's a it's a shifting role thing yeah
1: definitely each role does have it's definitely like it's um it's attributes as well pros and cons yeah that's that's definitely true
0: responsibilities and duties etc um What I did want to touch on, though, Mm -hmm. is that in those monogamous frameworks, you sometimes are just not permitted to explore your queerness. You're not Mm -hmm. permitted to explore your kink. And I was just noticing these themes coming up, and I wanted to, like, highlight that for the audience, that this is one of the ways that um, monogamy heavily disadvantages folks that are just a little different.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, I think, at the time as well, like, a lot of... And speaking from personal experience, a lot of that non-exploration came from this idea that if my partner didn't want to do something, then that was it. That was the end of conversation. I shouldn't even
0: this is a um, desire you shouldn't kind of have it. almost
1: yeah or even if she's like oh sure it's fine if I have it but it's not going to go anywhere so I shouldn't right. bother bringing it up again or making right. a discussion out of it
0: right it's only going to yeah. lead to conflict
1: yeah yeah exactly like I, I saw that as something was, that was going to lead to to just like fights and resentment and another way that I should be disappointed by this relationship that was disintegration, already
0: disintegration, yeah, rather <laughs> than integration or construction yeah, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. awesome yeah so let's move on to um, question two. Sure. <laughs> Forty-three minutes in, we're three minutes better than the first. Yeah. Um, so how does I was gonna ask how your enti- how your identity impacts your kink?
1: How my identity impacts my kink? Yeah. Um, I don't know how
0: much mind. I don't know how much there is to really get um, into, but you're welcome to talk with that.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I actually have anything to, okay. to get into for that one. I mean, my. I'm still kind of figuring out my identity is something that I've been working on or working with for, for years, and I'm still kind of like making baby steps in. I feel like I've yeah. been kind of like, I mean, I've only, I've only even self-identified as queer in the last, like, maybe, maybe three years or so, even though looking back, there have been kind of like, you know, looking back, back and back I'd be
0: like, oh, oh no, oh, you're so queer. I definitely like, had naked <laughs> experiences with boys as a boy.
1: Mm, I'm looking back and thinking like I were definitely definitely like girls and women I had crushes on and like it was so like all through university like I definitely like would kiss female friends at bars and be like oh that's fun haha what if we did it again and then like also be like oh boys who even oh what is that no thank you but then not even look into it further and not question it right and just be like man I surely like kissing girls oh boys are uninteresting I'm not gonna sit down and connect those thoughts at all (laughs) and just sailed through university and my first entire relationship that way basically of yeah. not looking into it at all, just not examining it.
0: Yeah, I look back on university as a huge missed opportunity.
1: Yeah, oh, me too. Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> Especially that? at a school where the women outnumbered the guys by, like, 125%. Oh like, my goodness. Yeah. What was I doing? Yeah. It's okay, it's okay.
0: <laughs> it's, it's really Hindsight easy.
1: is... Hindsight so much better.
0: Yes. Uh, or, yeah. <laughs> or hindsight is a horrible way to torture oneself.
1: Basically, yeah. You can, you can do the what-ifs forever. But just Definitely. thinking on, like, how that identity impacts my kink, I think that, um... It's kind of, like, that way, like, it goes both ways. Like, my identity has impacted my kink, and kink has impacted my identity Mm -hmm. insofar as creating a very safe, um, acceptable space for me to start exploring my queerness Mm -hmm. um, in a way where I don't have to... I think without kink, I would be less likely to explore it, because I'd feel like, oh, like, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about women, but the only way for me to explore that is by by dating them. Mm -hmm. Whereas in kink, I have this whole new opportunity with with play and with scening, um, it kind of it creates that potentially non-sexually charged space mm-hmm. that I feel a lot safer in personally, um, where I don't have to say to somebody, like, hey, I find you personally attractive and sexual and I would like to take this somewhere. It's just, hey, let's see what our dynamic is yeah. in this kinky space. And that that can lead to, for me, a lot more... Then just like, hey, do I find you to be sexually... Like, right. is there sexual chemistry here? No, right. we're done. Like
0: In some ways, yeah. you could say kink can facilitate queerness a little.
1: I think definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, because through through kink, you can create all these new spaces to interact with somebody yeah. that are not generally presented by mainstream society. Like, you can't... Absolutely. As far, as far as I've experienced, anyways, in mainstream society, they haven't made this space to say, hey, get real close to this person. There is no... There's no implicit or explicit understanding here that it's going to lead to a relationship right. or to sex or right. to even like, you're going to talk it out, you're going to be able to talk out everything you do or don't want to do with this person and it's right. not going to be judged in any way. Right. Like, like where, do, where do you, you find, find that, that? apart right from nowhere. the wing
0: scene? Yeah. I mean. I, I, I can't. Uh-oh. What was that? Did you hear that crazy technical glitch that I've been troubleshooting? Yeah, sorry about that. So this episode got cut short due to feedback that made it sound like that. I researched it and researched it and couldn't fix it. In fact, in this episode, that feedback started happening spontaneously mid-recording without any change of drivers, equipment, or software configuration. This began seemingly without provocation, so perhaps a cable got disturbed? I think I tracked the glitch to a Reaper setting and issues relating to monitor headphones being plugged in. I now have them plugged in all the time and watch the audio output on my computer as I record, so I've got a fix that should hopefully prevent this situation depriving you of amazing content from some of these awesome guests that I have on my show in future. In any case, I'm grateful for the time Emma and I spent together talking about this, and I guess some of it is just going to have to be between me and her. I guess it's just a shame that you all never got to hear the rest of the discussion, but you'll have to take my word for it. It was great. (laughs) Also, I look forward to chatting with her again in future, so this likely won't be the last you hear from her. There are a lot of ideas I've been tossing around for improving the podcast in the new year and making Patreon more accessible. I don't want to roll anything out before I'm completely sure, but hopefully that'll be soon. I plan on recording a State of the Podcast for 2019, and yeah, I will tell you more about it then. So how did you like it, Intimates? Leave your comments on Facebook.com slash Intimate Interactions or go straight to the Patreon group at Patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. Both are easy to find from IntimatePodcast.com, so what are you waiting for? Go join the free Intimates community and start connecting with others. I'll see you on there. Attribution. The intro music was Unbury Your Heart by Siobhan Decay and the outro music was Dancing with Fire by Daniel Birch. Disclaimer. I apologize in advance if something I say discriminates against some folks or is highly problematic. I'm open to being called in. I'll probably look back in future and see something I'm not proud of. I'm not perfect. I'm certainly trying to be mindful of the voices I lift up and the perspectives I encourage. And along that line, I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the land on which I live and play, the unceded traditional Coast Salish territories, specifically those of the Musqueam, Kwantlen Tsawasan, and Tsleil-Waututh nations.